This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's uh, 5.08. This is the Evening Edition. I'm Sharad Kutin. Now, why are some groups seeking to declare vernacular schools, essentially Chinese and Tamil medium schools, unconstitutional? And why do they want to shut down some of the most scholastically successful schools in the country? What exactly is their intention? Now, before we get to that question, and it's a a more difficult question, let's try and understand the legal uh, issues behind it. So yesterday, just for a quick background, uh, the Court of Appeal in a ruling affirmed the constitutionality of our vernacular schools and the use of Chinese and Tamil languages as their medium of instruction. The decision follows the dismissal of a lawsuit by the uh, Kuala Lumpur High Court in December uh, 2021. The lawsuit challenging the constitutionality of vernacular schools was filed by the Islamic Education Development Council, MAPIM, the Confederation of Malaysian Writers Association, GAPENA, also Ikatan Muslimin Malaysia or ISMA. Now, separately, on the th- on 30th of May last year, the Kotabaru High Court ruled against the Ikatan Guru Guru Muslim Malaysia, or iGuru, in a similar suit. The court's ap- uh, Court of Appeals judgment squashed all four NGOs' bid to overturn the two white High Court rulings. Now, uh, Justice Dato Azizul Azmi Adam elaborated on the decision, highlighting that vernacular schools have received official recognition within the legislative framework of the education system since before Malaya's independence and the enactment of the 1957 constitution. Azizul also said that the vernacular schools or national school types are not public authorities, hence the use of Tamil and Chinese in these schools as medium instruction cannot be prohibited. The three-member bench was chaired by Dato Azizul, uh, together with Dato Supang Lian and also Dato M. Gunalan, who ordered the appellants to bear their own legal costs as the case involved public interests. Now, we want to know what you think uh, about this case. So what do you think, uh, if you think, rather, that the destruction of vernacular schools will improve education outcomes, right? So the question is really about educational outcomes for our young people. We're going to be speaking to a lawyer shortly, um, but remember, we want to hear what you think. You can call us, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. Backing female ministers, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's 5.12. You're listening to the Evening Edition. I'm Sharad Kutin. We're talking about uh, the decision yesterday at the Court of Appeal that... um, that the the vernacular schools of Malaysia, basically schools that are operating in Chinese and Tamil languages, are in fact constitutional. Now, this case uh, has been ongoing for some time, and we're trying to get uh, behind it, understand what were the motivations uh, and the arguments, rather, of the people behind this particular suit. Now, to help us understand that, we have on the line Dr. Arthur Wang, uh, who's a lawyer for Chunghua School. Uh, thank you so much, Arthur, for joining us. Hi. Hi, hi. Okay, let, let's begin, uh, as I understand it from the very beginning. I understand that um, 
this all began, this legal saga began in October 2019 when a lawyer named Mohamed Khairul Azam, then Vice President of Pati Bumiputra Pakasa Malaysia, or Putra, sought a declaration at the federal court that Section 28 and Section 17 of the Education Act 1996 contravened Article 152. Now, I know a lot of things have happened. In fact, he failed it. But could you give us a sense of what's happened since that particular moment in this legal saga? I, I will try, uh, Shara. Um, I think since um, the federal court application was a lease application and wasn't uh, a full hearing uh, of the issues, uh, in essence, federal court had directed the relevant parties uh, to file the appropriate suit in the High Court of Malaya which was the reason why um, in, in 2019, a suit uh, that was before Justice Nazran was filed. And uh, also another suit was filed in uh, Kotobaru in 2020 to challenge the validity or the constitutionality of the vernacular schools. So that, that was uh, launched and the, the KL court decided in 2021, December 29th, and Kotobaru uh, subsequently in 22 May, 2022 May, had decided that the vernacular schools are constitutionally valid. So that uh, the, the various parties, which I explained, um, filed for an appeal in Court of Appeal. Um, the parties who filed these suits are, in essence, uh, MAPIM, uh, which is the Majlis Pembangunan Pendidikan Malaysia, uh, then the Gabungan Pelajar Semenanjung Malaysia, uh, GPMS, uh, GAPENA, the uh, Gabungan Persatuan Penulis Malaysia, and also ISMA, uh, the Ikatan Muslim in Malaysia. So in essence, what they are challenging uh, is not dissimilar to that which they took up in the federal court. I.e., sorry. Yeah, j- j- please carry on. Yeah. In, in essence, what they are saying is that the vernacular schools are not in line with the requirements stipulated in uh, 152 of the Constitution, wherein it's stipulated very clearly that the national language uh, is Malaya, Malay language, and that for all official purposes in Malaysia, uh, that would be in 1521A, um, is to be used as official language in all uh, official usage. Um, so what they are saying is that for schools, which is part and parcel of the government ministry of education, um, their official purpose and official usage um, is to educate. And therefore, in carry out the education, the national language must be used. 
Right. Therefore, therefore, in the vernacular schools, it would mean that the teaching of uh, students in, in the school will have to be conducted uh, in Bahasa Malaysia. Right, right. Okay, I understand it. So that's your basic, uh, the, the basic argument. We understand that uh, they failed earlier and they failed again yesterday uh, to push their case. They might carry on. But before we get to that, uh, you mentioned the parties who had taken up this case, right? What about the other parties? You, for instance, were a lawyer for Chunghua School. Uh, how do schools like Chunghua School get involved uh, in this case? Who are the other parties uh, and representing the other side of the argument, as it were? Okay, um, let's let's talk about myself or the Chunghua School. Chunghua School is part of uh, sixty Chinese independent high school in Malaysia. So the students that are these the sorts of students are from the vernacular schools, the Chinese vernacular school, the SJKCs. So if the primary schools uh, are converted or that the medium of instruction becomes Bahasa Malaysia, Malay, then uh, all of this uh, secondary school will die of uh, natural death. And that's where the interest, uh, as we argued, uh, was relevant. And we, be, we, we intervened into this, uh, this suit. No. So, yeah, I do want to ask you now, the Court of Appeal did not award costs to either parties, uh, citing public interest. Can you help me understand this? Because it, maybe in the mind of the kind of uh, the pub, general public doesn't understand legal matters. It does seem to be a, a very political case, one that's driven by, you know, kind of ethno-nationalist agendas. Why did the court see this as a public interest case? Well, um, most of the challenges uh, on the interpretation or the application of various laws or constitution that should that would be uh, applicable to the public uh, would be viewed as for public interest. Yeah, because this case will decide for the future of Malaysians. So the court takes it that it is for public interest. Right. Okay. I, I do want to get into, b- before we get into the more le- uh, arcane legal arguments, because I think they're, they're quite intricate. Uh, can we just, can you can very quickly uh, describe the conclusion that the Court of Appeal came to and whether that now can be challenged again uh, at a higher court and what that case might look like? Okay. What is, I think, most interesting and uh, most important in um, the decision in Court of Appeal delivered by Dato Azizu um, was that the vernacular schools are not inconsistent with the Constitution Rule 1521. And it is protected, in fact, it is protected by 1521B in that, um, I think, which was one of the most important uh, points that I, I submitted, was that the, the Tamil and the Chinese schools uh, were actually around even before uh, the Constitution 
was created. So there, there lies a very clear article in, uh, in the Constitution 1521B that says it mandates the government to preserve and sustain the use and study of languages of other communities. So that, in essence, is the most important part of the judgment uh, delivered by the Court of Appeal. So not only, not only is, uh, are the Tamil and Chinese schools not unconstitutional, the Court of Appeal made a very clear ruling that the government uh, is empowered in, in fact, is obligated, according to 1521B, to help to preserve and sustain. So the passing of any of the legislation to that effect would be constitutional. This is a, a landmark. I think it's uh, earth-moving. <laughs> right. I, I, you sound clearly pleased with the results. I mean, can this be uh, appealed yet again? Um, and what would that appeal look like? Well, I, I think the, the ruling or the judgment of the Court of Appeal is sound uh, and, and uh, very solid, if I can put it that way. However, uh, our legal system uh, allows um, the, the party who lost, who is uh, not satisfied with the judgment, to have one last of the cherry, i.e. going up to the federal court. However, going up to the federal court, uh, the right of appeal is not as of right. Uh, they will have to seek the federal court's uh, leave or, or permission to have their, their case heard. And the issues that they, must, they, they bring up to the federal court must be one of a question of law or public policy. So um, for something like this, i.e. the constitution and public interest, is not difficult to get this. It's not difficult. Okay, uh, so it'd be easy for them to actually take this court. It's, this... it's not easy. Oh, sorry, it's not, not easy. easy. Okay. It's not easy, mm. but um, we, I, I must explain it this way. Norm, normally, on an average, every 10 cases that goes up to federal court for leave, only maybe two or three will be, uh, will be granted leave. Right, so, so there's a there's a legal um, for, hurdle for them. I think they, they, they stand at least a 50-50 chance. Right. I do want to ask you this. I mean, I know this is in the realm of speculation, Arthur, but what if the decision had gone the other way? What if the courts had declared the vernacular schools unconstitutional? What practical implications would have ensued from that? Catastrophic. Sure. Um, it would mean... Uh, or the the decorations that are they were seek by um, the applicant plaintiff were to say all the uh, legislative uh, provisions that gave discretion to the minister uh, ministry of education the right to have schools uh, in in with the medium of uh, instruction in Tamil and Mandarin to be illegal. Uh, it will mean the closure of these schools or at the very least that all of these schools will have to be converted to be uh, schools 
that would be the medium of uh, instruction be in Bahasa and perhaps only one subject uh, of Tamil and or Mandarin. That would mean the end of uh, Chinese uh, secondary schools um, and the, the whole landscape of uh, education in Malaysia uh, would be overturned. Arthur, I, I want to ask you this, and this is slightly maybe left field, is the question of uh, the territory of Sarawak, which has uh, for some uh, years now kind of asserted its right to determine the, the nature of its own education policy. Um, what implications would there be for Sarawak if, in fact, uh, Chinese it and Tamil schools... Mm. It reinforces the opposition in uh, Sabah and Sarawak, I think. Sure. Okay. Okay, I, I do want to uh, very quickly just ask you the last, and it's kind of a legal question, because I understand that supporters of the stand that vernacular schools are unconstitutional often cite the Medeka University versus Government of Malaysia uh, case as a precedent. Can you very briefly um, help us understand what that case is and why it keeps coming up, especially in the public realm? <laughs> okay, uh, it's quite technical. Um, I, I think the main... Uh, distinguishing point of uh, University Malaysia uh, Malaya was that um, it was a first time application to have a, a, a Madeka University um, that would have the medium of instruction uh, in perhaps uh, Chinese Mandarin um, that was the first and uh, perhaps the biggest case um, in terms of um, educational institution having conducting their, their education not in Bahasa Malaysia or in English. So that was the, the landmark case to introduce uh, Mandarin as a medium of instruction. Now, that case was fought, and the, the judge who gave the, the judgment there, uh, Justice Abdul Kadeh, um, explained Article 152 uh, in, in, the, in the Federal Constitution to say that it is for the, the Constitution allows for the teaching or learning of any other language apart from the Malay language. Now, I will, I will, I will say this again because it's, it's very technical. Uh, nothing prevents the teaching or learning of other language. Now, the judge, Abdul Qadir, said, now the Constitution states very clearly. It says teaching or learning, but not teaching in other languages. So that was the main reason why the Medeka University, in terms of using the language, uh, using Mandarin as a, a, a medium of instruction, was rejected. 
Arthur, thank you so much. I know these are very uh, complicated legal matters, but thank you so much for helping us understand them. That was Dato Arthur Wang, a lawyer for Chunghua School, in the case uh, brought by several NGOs against vernacular schools that lost at the Court of Appeal yesterday. Now, the question to you is, do you think the destruction of our vernacular schools or their change or repurposing into a Malay medium schools will improve educational outcomes? Remember, you can Call us double seven double three two nine hundred. You can tweet us at BFM Radio or send us a voice note or a WhatsApp at zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Keep it here, BFM eighty nine point nine. Balanced Frank Medium, BFM eighty nine point nine. It's coming up to five thirty nine. This is the evening edition. I'm sure I couldn't. We've been talking about uh, the legal challenges to the constitutionality of vernacular schools in Malaysia, essentially schools uh, that operate in the Mandarin and Tamil mediums. Uh, and those challenges have been thwarted by the courts uh, thus far. So recently, just yesterday, in fact, the Court of uh, Appeal um, dismissed an appeal uh, that four NGOs, uh, primarily kind of ethno-nationalist NGOs, had brought against the vernacular schools, and it didn't win. Well, it still has one more chance, as one more bite of the cherry, as our last guest, Arthur, um, explained to us, Arthur Wang, from, who was a lawyer for Chung Hua School. Uh, so we'll see how that moves. But the question really for you, and I think for all of us, really, is will the destruction or the elimination of our vernacular schools improve educational outcomes. Remember, the question really is about educational outcomes and not about national unity, because I know there's a natural tendency to push the national unity discourse when it comes to the question of vernacular schools, vernacular schools and not educational outcomes. I'm very grateful for this voice note from Rizwan that addresses the question of educational outcomes. I don't think the issue is language here. The issue is on the quality of education being delivered. We see that the vernacular school, especially in Chinese school, as an avenue for people to get better education quality as compared to what's happening in the national school. Hence, the increased popularity in the uh, vernacular school. So that's what it is, the quality of school. If the qualities of education are the same across the board, who cares which school you go to? Thank you so much, Rizwan, for that. I, yeah, absolutely right. I mean, you and I, I think, on the same page about the need for quality education and that most parents are most uh, are concerned primarily about quality of education in their choice of schools, right? So um, what we see happening, uh, ironically, uh, with the vernacular schools, especially the Chinese schools, is that they're attracting, attracting a lot of non-Chinese students. They're becoming more multicultural, more multiracial than the national schools. Uh, you know, thousands upon thousands of Malay Bumiputra students go to Chinese schools. So the political attempt by right-wing groups in this country to attack vernacular schools seems to be at cross-purposes with their idea of uh, well, serving their own community. So I, I think there's a really interesting discussion in what right-wing groups are doing in this country and how they're using the judicial process to further their agenda. But again, for I think for us, ordinary folk, uh, the question of quality of education is paramount. We also have this voice note from Bing. Vernacular schools 
what seems to be the problem now? Why are they bringing things up again? Or is this the first time doing so? Or have vernacular schools infringed into some weak wines? Come to think of it, I don't know. But don't you think uh, you have more options right now? And as part of education for the masses? Furthermore, vernacular schools do not really think much budget from the national school system, so one should be happy about it. Well, unless the intention here is to have a unified country uh, where uh, you want to create oneness, then abolishing vernacular schools uh, could be a way to, to form that kind of unity. Look at Look at Thailand, look at Indonesia, right, whereby everyone is sucked back into just one particular language and they're all unified under that approach, but somehow it doesn't add value to a very uh, multicultural country like ours. And the values that we have is wholly intrinsic. But, uh, well, if that's the case, then what's the point? of actually having um, say Islamic schools where the mode of uh, most of the choices of words and sentences used was in the Arabic language is this about trying not to learn more foreign languages I don't know well after all Malay is a Malay language is actually a very interesting language because it's a great rojak of many, many languages, which is something we should appreciate. Uh, thank you so much, Bing, for your message. Uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot in there, and I sometimes think that, you know, we need to learn much more about our neighbours and the choices they've made, and some of them have been appalling. Uh, and so, you know, uh, but the idea that you need a single language for a country as a unifying force is a very popular one. Uh, it's caused trouble around the world. Uh, you can trace the Sri Lankan conflict to precisely its language policy. It's, you know, it's an attempt to suppress Tamil and to make Sinhala the uh, primary language. So in many countries, the national project was broken by the imposition of a single language uh, ideal. So um, maybe something for us to learn. Though, I must say, uh, we do have this uh, note uh, from Hisham. Hisham says, I'm sorry, but I'm against vernacular schools uh, in the first place. I blame politicians for not having one school system in Malaysia, Basa Melayu, uh, as a medium, but, but to allow other races also master Mandarin in Tamil. Sorry, master Mandarin and Tamil. Only then will you um, not only have unity, but also unity in the riot. So unity in the government, but also unity in the riot. Thank you, Hisham, for that. I think that this idea of a single language as uh, unifying everybody uh, is a very popular one. But I do think it's somehow problematic. If you look around the world and you look at our particular history, when you look at the deep history of uh, 
Mandarin and Tamil language schools, because they predate independence uh, and because there was a contract, a kind of social contract, if you like, uh, that they remain part of the landscape. The question is, do we respect that history or do we obliterate it? And we look at also the kind of challenges we have today. It's really not about the you know one language, is it, uh, Hisham, anymore? It's really about quality of language. And that's really my question to everybody. You know, will the elimination of our vernacular schools improve educational outcomes? If anybody could prove to me that it would, I would be the first to sign up for a single language system. But I kind of seriously doubt that's true. I just don't think that will ever happen. At least that argument could ever be made that the elimination of our vernacular schools would improve educational outcomes. I think quite the opposite. You can call us double seven double three two nine hundred. You can tweet us at BFM Radio or send us a voice note or a WhatsApp at zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Keep it here, BFM eighty nine point nine. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.